Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. So, you know, primetime, the purpose of the primetime is now meeting is to talk about the reason to come to Alcoholics Anonymous, to expose alcoholism, not just as a word, but as a living mind power disease. How the disease appears in our lives today in order to deepen our awareness of what we are up against. Alcoholism is called ism because it is alive and functioning and needs to be treated. We discuss here strictly the disease as it manifests in each of our own personal lives. The way our behavior is this day, the way we react or look at people, places, and things. We do not talk about drunkologues. Yesterday's problems are blaming other people. We talk only about looking inwardly, describing how self behaves in the day we're in. Okay, so uh, this uh, this is a 12 and 12 study. So this is a step study, and um, um, we're, we're just about done step one. We have another paragraph. Uh, but we usually start at the foreword on page 15 and in the middle, and it's like an, it's an instruction. It says AA's 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to drink and here in prime time, the way we think as well, and enable you and I, the sufferer, to become happily and usefully whole. So principles are truth, they're laws, they're doctrines. They've always been true. They'll always be true. They've been true for millions of years. They'll, they'll be true for millions of years more. And uh, as long as we practice them, the more we practice, the better we get. So that's kind of like how it works. And I'm here with Astrid. And Astrid, if do you want to like uh, run us through like uh, briefly, like uh, what we where we're at? Like, do you want to read it or do you want to just talk about it? Because what would be nice is by the time we're done this meeting today, if we can all raise our hands in the air and surrender so we can get rocketed and catapulted into step two for hopefully next week. Because we only have one paragraph that we haven't read. What do you think, Astrid? Did we lose you again? No, here we go. I'm trying to unmute. Did we complete uh, step one? Did we finish no, the end of no. page 20? We didn't, we, we, didn't, we didn't read the last paragraph under the lash of alcoholism. So, I mean, the, we can, we can, you want to talk a little about um, complete defeat or you want me to, I can, we can, you know, go through a quick, uh, for those, for those that are you're new to this meeting, we have a few people from Dublin. <laughs> this meeting is recorded and we've been doing it for probably like a month now, maybe five, this might be the fifth one. <laughs> and so you can always catch up with us uh, and with your book if you yeah. care to study it. Um, so we would just maybe briefly. I'll, I'll do I'll do a, qu- a quick once over of there's Great. there's only nine paragraphs in step one so I'll I'll, bree- I'll breeze through the the eight paragraphs and and what's fabulous and fascinating about step one in the twelve and twelve is so often people are sort of bored by it because they haven't allowed the print to speak to them or they don't see the living application that's in the in the twelve and twelve and remember. We have a big relationship with Harry Tebow and compliance versus surrender. 
and Tebow won the Alaska award. And he, if you ever went to rehab and you had your insurance pay for it, you can absolutely thank Harry Tebow. And he was a psychiatrist that worked with alcoholics and had very little success until he met Bill Wilson and found Alcoholics Anonymous. And what Tebow actually said was the thing that revolutionized his private practice was he had no idea that the alcoholic actually needed a surrender. So he wrote a whole paper on compliance versus surrender. And he said that admitting is the blood brother to accepting, but it's the blocker. And you can't have a full-blown acceptance or a full-blown surrender if you're just admitting that you're an alcoholic, like you've got to concede to your innermost self. And so we talk about that first paragraph, who cares to admit complete defeat? And so there, Bill Wilson's using this language that Harry Tebow and Bill Wilson were so familiar with. And then uh, on the same paragraph, the last, I mean, on the same page, the last paragraph on 21, it says, we know that little good can come to any alcoholic unless he's first accepted his devastating weakness. So there we have admitting and accepting, compliance versus surrender. Bam, right on the first page, print jumps out at you. You know, then on page 22, they talk about uh, the mental obsession and nobody, nobody can, 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 can stop this thing on their own unaided will. And in the big book, it says, go ahead, try to drink. Uh-oh, you're cutting out, Astrid. Astrid, we lost you. We lost you, Astrid. But you want to turn your video off, Astrid, and see if that helps? She's frozen. Yeah. She's cut. You might have to uh, uh, rejoin, Astrid. Um, you might have to, you know, get off and re, re come, in, come in and uh, see. Uh, Technology is not perfect, huh? You know what? Um, just for the record, everyone, uh, you um, – it often does that. It cuts out when you're moving. So if you if you have a cell phone or a laptop and you're moving it, the bandwidth is going everywhere. So okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, Astrid said to go forward. So so the thing is, you know, we're, we're going. These are principles. There's a ton of them. You know, practice these I'm principles. Back again. Right. There you go, Astrid. Yeah, um, I'm I'm so. here. So we talk about admitting and accepting. Thing. And we talk about there's no there's there's no way uh, no such thing as a personal conquest a compulsion by his unaided will. And in the big book, it says, you know, what, try some controlled drinking. Our hats are off to you. Go ahead. Drink like a lady or a gentleman. And um, at the bottom of 21, you know, uh, they talk about an AA's pioneering times, none but the most desperate cases. I mean, literally bottom, bottom, bottom feeders. And even those people we see them today. Even those last gaspers had dis difficulty realizing how sick they were. And when a few did, few, they even say today, two to five percent ever get this thing. Like, you know, I, I don't care if it sounds mean and nasty. When somebody doesn't want what I have, just throw that fish back in the water. It's not ready. I don't need to poop this down anybody's throat. And I don't even believe that some people are lazy and don't want it. I believe they can't hear the dog whistle. I believe that it's possible that God doesn't even want them to wake up. So we look, we look at the, the, the allergy. We look at the insane urge. We look at the. Uh-oh. 
happened again, Astrid. Uh-oh. She wasn't muting that time. She probably should turn her video off. Let's see. Astrid? All right. You know what? Um, I'm just going to pick up. She can't get in now, she says. Uh, she's texting me. So make sure she can get in. Anyway, so Astrid's talking about all these principles and that, you know, she's at the bottom of 22 uh, where, you know, only the last gasper. So one of the principles is uh, to, to seize a life preserver as a drowning man, you know, and I share a lot, uh, you know, I get thrown to life preserver, but it ain't the right life preserver. You know, I need a blue one and it needs to be a little bigger and maybe polka dots on it because, you know, I don't like the way this program works. There's something my ego's fighting, you know, but I need to grab that thing with all the desperation of a last gasper. So are you, are you as desperate right now? You know, and it's hard. And then it goes on to say uh, that, you know, that uh, it's a tremendous satisfaction to say that, you know, families, people had their health, their families, their jobs, and even, you know, two cars in the garage. And, you know, we, because AA, when it was new, they wouldn't even take you in, like Asper was saying. They had to know you were desperate. Your liver was bloated. Your teeth were falling out. Your wife was leaving you. You lost your job. And if even if you had a watch, you might not be ready because that might be too much. But it changed later on. And then it talks about, you know, when the, when the 12 and 12 came out in 1953, Dr. Bob had passed on. And Bill wrote this as an addendum. And uh, it wasn't meant to take the steps through. It was more like why we do it. And he gets into the instincts. But he talks about that later on, um, you know, uh, even potential alcoholics, even young people who hadn't hit, they could be spared that last 10 or 15 years of literal hell. And so, uh, and, and he, like as I said, they would try more controlled drinking. If you don't think so, after what we've told you, why don't you go, you know, try some more con controlled drinking. And they usually hit a bottom because it is a progressive illness. Uh, and they called the alcohol John Barleycorn, which was a reference to some books. We were getting into some of that in the last meetings. If you're interested, you can go back and listen. So we're not going to rehash all of that. So, and then uh, this, the reason why, if you're here and you're struggling with time or without time, the reason why pain is the touchstone to all spiritual progress. The reason why is because why all this insistence, this is the last page of step one, which is page 24. Why all this insistence that every AA, that's you and I, every AA must hit bottom first. And the answer is that few people will sincerely try to practice the AA program unless they have hit bottom. For practicing AA's remaining 11 steps means the adoption of attitudes and actions that almost no alcoholic who is still drinking can dream of taking. So in other words, this is for sober people. This, all of us here are abstinent from alcohol. And this is not talking about someone drunk because if you're drinking, you're already treating your disease. This is from, for someone who's got alcoholism and they don't have alcohol to, re to fix it anymore because there's only two treatments for alcoholism. One is alcohol, but it produces an unmanageable life. And now we have an unmanageable thought life. So, so it says like, who wishes to be rigorously honest and tolerant? Not me. Who wishes to confess his faults to another and make restitution for harm done? Hell no. Who wishes cares anything about a higher power, let alone meditation and prayer? 
And who wants to sacrifice time and energy and trying to carry a message to the next sufferer? No, the average alcoholic, self-centered in the extreme, doesn't care for this prospect unless he has to do these things in order to stay alive himself. So, you know, selfishness and self-centeredness, that is the root of our troubles. And we're extreme examples of self-will run riot, though we usually don't think so. But you see here, I will do anything to stay alive. I'm so selfish that I don't want to die. So I'm going to do, I'm going to try to become unselfish. But you see, I can't do it on my own. No matter how much I wish or try on my own, I had to have God's help. I can't wish or try it away. So, um, Astrid, are you back? I guess she, she's having trouble getting on. Um, it's a shame. Oh, there you are. Yeah, I'm in. Okay, I'm here. All right, all right. Okay. I just brought us up to the last paragraph, and uh, others may want to share, but I guess we should re read this last paragraph because it's very What did we, under the lash, did we do that? No, we haven't done that yet. I just got oh. done the other one. Oh, the second to last one? I just finished that one, the Y O. Yeah. So now you can read Under the Lash. And it's yeah, I feel like we did this last week, but I'll do it again. Under the Lash of Alcoholism. I remember me and Jonathan Shaw, we used to make whip noises. Wham! Under the Lash of Alcoholism. Like just being whipped, you know, whipped and we are driven to AA. And there we discover the fatal, 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 fatal nature of our situation. Then, only then, do we come as open-minded to conviction and as willing to listen as the dying can be. We stand ready to do anything which will lift the merciless obsession from us. There are so many principles in that. Under the lash of alcoholism, I'm driven to AA through humility and humiliation and pain and suffering. There's nothing else that's going to whip my ass into the last house on the block, but there's no other place to go. And then I go into the last house on the block and they, I discover the fatal nature of my situation. I'm in the last house on the block and they tell me I'm still going to probably die, that there's very little chance of me making it if I don't really do something. And then, and only then do I become as open-minded to the conviction and as willing to listen as the dying can be. Listening is a spiritual principle. And like Bill Galvin used to always say, if all you hear is the clap at the end of the meeting, welcome to AA. We have the attention span of a hummingbird, and I don't know how to listen. Listening is absolutely a spiritual principle. So I learned at the Casey meetings where, where Paul and Craig and I got this whole thing, I learned to get super still. I learned how to sit still, how to not look in my purse or pick at my fingernails or look at my phone or look at anything. Sometimes I would just focus on the corner of the room or that weird painting on the wall or a leg of a chair. You know, just try to hear everything that was going on. And as I began to listen, my subconscious mind began to open up because I was listening with my heart mind and not my head. My mind was opening up. And as I began to open up, I, I w literally became really as to stand ready to do anything which would miss, lift the merciless obsession. And you know what, you guys, in the beginning, I am not lying to you. I was on my knees probably more than I was on my feet during the day. I would hit my knees 10, 20, 30 times a day. You can ask Mackenzie. She'd walk into my bedroom at any given time, and I'd just literally be on the floor 
begging God to help me with my mind. It was so aberrated. I was in so much shame and so much fear. I had blown my life up completely. There was nothing left. My parents weren't talking to me. I did not have custody of my daughter yet. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a car. I had no self-respect. I had no self-esteem. My hepatitis was going through the roof. And I was going to these Casey meetings, you know, three times a week and the Friday night Wilshire and Werner meeting. And I was listening to these tapes around the clock, just listening to Bobby Anderson, listening and listening and listening and listening and not realizing at that time that every time I was willing to listen like a dying woman, it was changing my character, that it was growing new neural pathways, that the old character was dying and something new was being built upon firm bedrock, that these spiritual principles were already rearranging the dots inside of me and I was doing something different that I'd never done before and I was going to start getting the results anyway thanks Craig and sorry the phone keeps going out no 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 we you know and that was very powerful Astrid thank you I remember man we were both thank you you yeah and you know Casey would say like uh you know we we weren't just we didn't just come to AA we were driven to AA yeah Uh, and and there we discover the fatal nature of our situation sober. I just shared in the paragraph before that no person drinking could even dream of taking these steps. This, this information is for us that are sober. And, that, and then and only then, only means no other way. Only when I hit this bottom in AA and I see that I am still dying, even without the alcohol, do I become as open-minded to conviction and willing to listen as the dying can be. Now, you know, it's all about being in the now. I remember when I was really struggling, he would say, you know, listening helps you be in the now. Just listen right now. Be quiet. And you'll hear the birds. You'll hear the wind rustle. You know, you, you have like direction with your listening, with two ears. You, and, and also, when you're talking to someone, look them in the eye and listen. It's an act of selflessness. So, you know, I go to a meeting, like Astrid was saying, Bill Galvin was sharing. I can't listen. My head's thinking about what I'm going to eat later or how bad I'm suffering <laughs> or, you know, the tired it's flat or that person that did this to me. Uh, so I have to ask God, God, can you help me to just be here and hear something from my life? Cause I'm judging the shit out of the speaker. I'm judging everybody in the room. I have negative opinions cause I'm in alcoholism. <laughs> and so God, can you help me to hear something? And then eventually can you help me to maybe share something? And you see, we're going to get into step two where every meeting is a good meeting. You know, it's me that says it's not a good meeting, you know. So the last line is so important here. We stand ready to do anything which will lift the merciless obsession from us. So in first half of step one, that was the alcohol. But many of us here today have uh, our friend from Dublin's 18 years. I'm coming up on 18, Astrid 16. You know, we have a lot of people here with multiple years. And we're here today on a beautiful sunny after you know in los angeles and wherever we are because i have a merciless obsession that will not let go and so at the end of step one what we wanted to do is have our hands up in the air i have a white flag i am surrendered tell me what to do you know and this is what will rocket us in the step two where we come to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity you know and that Astor was talking about humility and, you know, every step, the foundation principle is humility. And in step one is the humility, the humility, the 
I get pummeled. I get the beating up that alcohol does to me to get me here in the first place. And Thibaut talks about how the defiance and the grandiosity says, I don't need this. And then, um, you know, and then I finally humble myself to know that, wow, it's the alcohol is but a symptom. I had to get down. To, you know, this is what do I do here? And it, we, this is what rockets us into step two, which is to start to understand. Step two of the 12 and 12 is it gives you a lot of examples of the, the, you know, the many facets of us that prevent us from getting this. And uh, the big book is one easy question. Do I now believe or am I willing to believe? Uh, and once the person says they're willing, we assure them they're on your way. It's, a, it's just like, just open your mind. But here in the 12 and 12, we're going to get in some stuff. But um, do we want to open it up for some sharing on step one and make sure we tie it all up and Paul and others uh, before we move on to step two? Does that sound good, Astrid? Yeah, sure. Let's have, I want to hear from Paul. Yeah, Paul, what do you? Come on, Paul, jump in. All right, Paul, alcoholic. Yeah, you know, I just was reading that again. I always, it's, I always get something more, but I, it's, 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 under the lash of alcoholism, why all this insistence that I must hit bottom, you know, and, and I never considered, um, you know, what that really means, you know, as far as the principles go. Like, uh, you know, Bob Anderson used to always say it's always a step two problem because I don't think there's a power greater than me, you know. And, and uh, what, so what, what happens is that in today's day, I have to hit bottom. So how do I hit bottom in today's day? I have to, I have to realize that, today, that I'm powerless today. So I have to have this application today. Because I can't go any further because if I'm not surrendered, I'm still running the show. So I have to have this bottom and I can't produce that bottom. But but what I know is even though I don't believe it in a moment that there's a power greater than me, I can get quiet for a minute and begin a conversation with that power and ask that powerful words. What would you have me say today? How can I address this group today? Can you give me your words? How do I live in this world? How can I look at this as a good day today? And I begin that kind of a conversation with that power. And, you know, and all of a sudden I'm inspired with new ideas. This morning I was thinking about that and I, I come up with this thing about uh, that uh, knots. I, I, in meditation, I asked for one word a lot of time and I got this word knots and I write things down and sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. But invariably it always does. And I started thinking, I, I tie myself up in these knots worrying about stuff that I have no control over. And I, and I get all these knots and they're, they're all the things that I refuse to do. You know, I don't want to make complete defeat. There's a knot right there. And when I have all these knots, I, I'm, I'm insane. I'm in alcoholism and I don't know it, you know. And so I, it's funny for me, it, it appears in words. Other people, it does it other ways. But for me, it makes me ponder about a word, you know. And then I, I, have, to, I have to relax with that word. I can't think about it. I just got to ask, okay, what is that, God? What would you have me see in that? And every time I, I take the time to do that, I have to slow down and breathe. You know, when I slow down and breathe, it, it gives it a chance for something else to be there other than my mind. And, and that's when God comes in. And then I can begin to see what I couldn't see before. You know, and, and it's, not that, it's not that the problems go away, but they're not problems anymore. They're just conditions of my living. And, and you know, I ask God for the strength to go through one day. How would you have me see this day? And my favorite prayer is, can I, can I be more the man you created me to be than the man that I think I am? And with that kind of an intention, and I try to, you know, when I, when that kind of intention, I, I always see a beautiful day, and there's always something there to see. And I, but, but what happens for me is I get going with a problem, and I refuse to stop. And so, so what I found is that I can begin the conversation, 
but then I have to stop and listen to the answer. So it's kind of like a one and two, but it's kind of, it almost seems like it's backwards, but I recognize that I'm powerless, but my mind's not going to shut up. So I can be in a conversation with God, and in that conversation, I'm going to have to slow down and listen, because he always answers. See, there's always an answer there. It's a principle is that if I ask, I'm going to receive. But when I'm in the disease, I forget that's a principle, <laughs> you know, and then I try to figure it out and I'm crazy, you know, so I, I have to begin always in step one. And that's that, that surrender that has to be there. I'll do it for right now. What? Thanks, Paul. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, buddy. Uh, would someone like to, uh, l- a little more sharing, uh, on, on step one before we move on to step two, you know, um, just a reminder back on the first page on the third paragraph, but upon entering AA, we soon take quite another view of this absolute humiliation. We perceive, remember this is a disease of perception. We perceive that only through utter defeat are we able to take our first steps towards liberation and strength. See, I want that liberation and strength and I have to be defeated. That's why if pain is the touchstone. Now suffering is optional, because, and I did suffer because I kept holding on to my old ideas and thinking I could figure it out. There's nothing to figure out. I just got to hit a bottom inside and know that I am defeated. See, so our, and because I don't have the power, knowledge won't do it. Our admissions of personal powerlessness finally turn out to be firm bedrock upon which happy and purposeful lives may be built. This is the good news. And, you know, and I, I got to accept this, that I have alcoholism, but if I accept it and I don't fight it and I humble myself and embrace it and do these steps and live this as a way of life, it's a great life. It's not a punishment. It's a gift. Anyway, uh, would someone like to share? How about Roy? Roy, I think you're on here. Would you like to say something? Uh, Roy, alcoholic. Hey, buddy. So today, by the grace of God, yeah. the success I have in my life is more his than mine. That's something I borrowed from the 12 and 12. I keep saying it over and over again to remind myself that uh, how powerless I am over my alcoholism. So, yeah, I I don't know if I have anything to add. I just I loved um, all your comments, both you and Astrid, about this uh, step in the 12 and 12. And that was a really great point you made. You know, no alcoholic still drinking can practice it. So now I sober up. I mean, anybody can be physically sober. I mean, a good medical detox will can sober anybody up. And then I'm left with my alcoholism. I'm left with the, the famous dash and the unmanageability between my mind. And usually I have to hit a bottom with that too. And it pushes me into step step two. You know, it's the... I had to surrender. I mean, that's why I like Bob Anderson's message when I first heard it. And he was talking about being a crazy dry drunk five years sober. And I mean, did I get that big time? And I remember going off on this meter made in front of another A member. And I realized, man, you were just nuts, stone cold, sober nuts. And um, I think, you know, the steps do propel us forward. And it's, a, it's, a, it's really the grace of God. I mean, I can't, you know, the book talks about, uh, willingness, honesty, open-mindedness, and billage humility on page 13. But I am I have to be driven by the lash of alcoholism to get willing. I mean, active drinking kicked my butt in here, and then my 
untreated alcoholism kick, you know, kicks me forward into the steps or, I mean, and uh, the honesty is like, I just have to run out of my own ideas to realize it ain't working for me. And um, open-mindedness, I, I'm inspired by the other members of AA who seem to have a solution that causes me to open my mind. And humility just means I'm willing to try it somebody else's way. And I didn't write this program. I didn't write the big book or the 12 and 12. I didn't develop this fellowship. So I had to get to the point where, well, maybe these people have a solution for me. And that's how step one propels me into step two. And it is nothing I'm doing because I'm smart or I'm willing or I'm highly spiritually motivated. It's all, you know, the, 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 the bottom of step one propels me into needing help in step two. So I'm still doing it today, 42 years later, and I got no improvements on this program. I got no new spin, no new interpretation. So it's really good to hear you guys say it. Always good to hear my favorite, one of my favorite speakers, the Astroholic. <laughs> She's so great. Okay, guys, thanks for letting me share. I prefer to listen. You guys are great. Well, no, thank you, Roy. We're so glad you're here. That was fantastic. Thank you. We have Chris S. Hi. Um, good afternoon. Uh, the part that's really sticking out to me about step one is the second half, and that's admitting that our lives were unmanageable. And quite frankly, before prime time, uh, I was really under the notion that unmanageability had to do with my external world and how I was doing with my job, how I was doing with, you know, uh, taking care of my house, uh, all of those items. And I, I was not aware at all that the unmanageability was really in my mind and what was going on there. Um, so I'm very grateful um, because I have always admitted, you know, since I shouldn't say always, but I have um, for a while admitted that I'm an alcoholic and that I'm powerless over alcohol, but it was really that unmanageability piece that I just had a whole different definition with it. And, you know, um, so now that I'm paying attention more so to what I'm thinking about, it's just, it's the insanity is absolutely just annoying um, um, that yeah it's just crazy um, and then I do have a history of trauma and I met with my trauma therapist this morning and I thought it was really interesting because we were talking about um, emotions because the number one reason why I would run to the drink is because I didn't want to feel um, something and the you know the alcohol would take away those feelings and so then you know, my therapist was saying that, you know, one of the things that we're really working right now is that I have to, with, with my traumas, is I have to go through it. I can't go around it. And so then I asked the question to say, well, what does that mean? Like, how do you actually go through an emotion? And we were talking about, you know, paying attention to how it feels within your body, but then also really exploring, like, what is, sorry, my dog's trying to dig her way to China there. I can hear that in the background, but, um, that I actually have to explore what is the cause of my emotion. So if I'm feeling anxious, like why truly am I feeling anxious? What is that root cause to it? And if I spend that time thinking about it, then I can also see the insanity of that because oftentimes what um, I'm anxious about or depressed about isn't a reality. Um, but unless I spend that time thinking about what's unmanageable in my life, then I can't ever go through it and then I get stuck. And if I'm not actually dealing with my emotions, then they get worse, they expand. Um, so for me, that's really what is sinking in to me 
about step one is that not only do I have to pay attention to what I'm thinking about, but I really have to get quiet and spend time really processing what I'm feeling. Thank you. Thanks. Um, thank you very much. Uh, Evs, iPhone. Hi. Hi, <clears throat> this is Evan. Um, <clears throat> I have a, the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I'm very grateful to be here. And, um, you know, I've been through the steps several times. I don't want to present myself like a step master, uh, you wise people who are leading us through the steps. I just want to say that the timing of this is <clears throat> so perfect for me because when I truly surrender, my life gets good and fast. You know, God is so great and so amazing. And <clears throat> what's also amazing is how quickly and how deceptively I can begin to take credit for all the great things that God has created in my life. And I, I, suddenly I became the author. I'm the, like the ultimate plagiarist. You know, I start taking credit for all of it. Um, and so I, I'm back and reminded that uh, it's, it's a, just a great example, you know, being brought to my knees that uh, the defeat really is complete and that <clears throat> Uh, that that God has the power and that I don't. So I just want to say, I just wanted to open my mouth and admit that and say it out loud and just say that I'm grateful to be at step one um, and have you all here. Thank you. Thanks, Evan. Good to hear from you. Uh, Aaron. Hey, hi. Can you hear me? Aaron, Aaron. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, awesome. Um, yeah, I was just in my car, and I realized what time it was and that the meeting was going on, so I pulled over to try to jump in and uh, see the meeting. It's so good to see Astrid. so good to see you, Craig. And uh, I just wanted really just to say hi, say I'm an alcoholic, say I'm a complete defeat, say that uh, when I'm not connected to a loving higher power, my life is horrible, and when I am connected to loving higher power, my life is good. And uh, hopefully I can spend more time connected with the loving higher power. Just wanted to say hi. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. So good to see you and hear from you. Glad you're here with us. Um, would anybody else like to um, share any more in step one before we kind of move on here? Anybody have any last minute uh, comments? Okay. So, so here, oh, I got two hands up. Let's see. We've got uh, Jackie in uh, Vermont. Hi, Jackie. Hey, everybody. It's Jackie. I'm an alcoholic, and I was looking at um, my devastating weakness, and it's my mind that's attracted to going into the gutter. And it's been a long time since I've had alcohol, but I'm attracted to going into the gutter around what's going on in the world today. And so... I'm really, really having to look at what my mind is telling me, um, and I don't want to, and that's also my devastating weakness. I want to just go into how horrible everything is. That's what I'm attracted to, and that's, that's my old character, and I'm powerless over that, and I have to be convinced on a daily basis that this is who I am. And um, this is who I am. I'm powerless over my thinking. 
And so in uh, the second paragraph, it's talking about this Ruth, this uh, no other bankruptcy is like this one. And it's like, we've got this ruthless creditor that's calling my mind constantly telling me things that aren't true. And it has bled me of anything that I can do to resist it. I have to have a power that's greater than me. And it's not just this first admission of personal powerlessness. In the third paragraph, it's talking about our admissions. There's many admissions. I have many admissions in the day that I'm in of my personal powerlessness. And boy, this COVID is giving me plenty of opportunities to look at that. And so I want to say that one of the things I'm doing is looking at that this is being done for me and not to me because I'm getting to grow spiritually so much more. And it's so awesome to see you guys. And thank you for doing this. Uh, great to hear. That was great, Jackie. Thank you. Uh, we had, uh, there was Ashling had her hand up, but she just took it down. Ashling, did you change your mind? All right, we got, if you change your mind, come on back on. Crystal. Oh. Hi. Oh, shoot. Go ahead. Oh. Hello? Okay. Hello? Yeah. Are you, did you uh, Yeah, ahead. I just wanted to. Hi, how are you guys? Um, It's great to be on. It's great to see my friend Vinny on as well. And happy birthday, Vinny. Um, Vinny's a great member in Ireland and um, it's amazing. He has 18 years. He's been a great friend to me and a great mentor to me. And I love listening to him uh, sharing his message. Um. I just want to say thanks to Prime Time because I'm I'm learning so much. I'm I'm coming on to the Zoom meetings the last couple of weeks and I've learned so much and you know, listening about like in the in the Thai boat study or the tea boat study about the grandiose ego and accepting my devastating weakness. I'm really trying to practice like when I get disturbed. Um I've been doing this the last couple of days and you know I live with another alcoholic so um it can get a little bit sticky between us sometimes. Uh, his resentments might trigger my resentments and it just can get messy like but um I've been practicing you know when I feel intolerant just focusing on God like and when I think about God uh, I don't have a concept of God but so I think about the glory of God so I think about mount the mountains and sunsets and sea the sea and all the things that like reflect the glory of God for me you know and like I am absolutely amazed because the disturbances are just melting away I'm like, this is so fucking easy, like, you know, um, my mind makes a big drama out of everything, like, so, uh, you know, to be able to just focus on, on the, on the love of God and the glory of God and these things just being lifted from me and I don't know, it's just revolutionizing my recovery and how I'm experiencing the world and, um, and really I'm saying to myself a load of times throughout the day, Accept your devastating weakness and all its consequences. Accept your devastating. You've no power here, Ashling. You've no power. And then I'm not trying to fix and manage and control, which is exhausting. And I am mad for micromanaging. And I'm 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 not I'm not trying to manage and control everything. And it's just it's so much more peaceful. So yes, thanks yeah. everyone. <laughs> Good for you. Great. Nice to have you here. Um, Crystal. Hi, everybody. My name's Crystal. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Crystal. And thank you all so 
<clears throat> so much for this meeting. And um, Ashley, I loved when um, you shared that um, sitting still, like, you know, I'll be on the meeting and I'll block out the video and just be doing all this other kind of stuff. And I know that I tend to do that when I'm kind of feeling some things. And yesterday, um, my, my cousin who, you know, alcoholic, in and out of treatment, you know, just really, really sick, sick, um, was found dead in the bathroom. And we're not sure if it was coronavirus or the alcoholism. He's in a half house. And um, um, I don't know how you get the whole we're just waiting for, but um, I'm so powerless, you know, and, and I like, says, who cares? Crystal, oh. you're, you're breaking up a little. You want to try turning off your video? We love looking at you, but I'm sorry, uh, you're breaking up a little. Okay. Okay. Uh, it probably was I had it sitting down on the table. But um, it's like with all the information, you know, my disease can still say that I could have a drink and justify it because, you know, that wasn't really my preference. Um, but it all takes you downhill, regardless of what it is, you know. Um, and that's for people who feel like, you know, alcohol wasn't really, you know, my thing. I was a such and such addict or I did this or I did that you know, it's still a mind or mood altering chemical and it still warps my brain and my makes my life unmanageable on the outside and on the inside. And I love that you all made the point that we cannot do any of this step work and the necessary things that it's going to take to go through this process without being sober. You know, my head had told me one time, well, I'm just going to go to the meetings just to get through all the steps so that my life can change. But I don't want to let this go or I don't want to let, you know, that go. And it's so true. It doesn't work because you're not going to see clearly. So, you know, I'm just glad that I'm revisiting one and knowing that I'm powerless because when I got the news yesterday that my cousin was dead, it was like uh, I got on FaceTime with the family and their solution was, like you said, it's either the alcohol or, you know, a spiritual way of doing this through the steps. And they were all at the table with their marijuana and big bottles of alcohol. And when I saw that big bottle of alcohol, it was like, yeah, I, I need to have a drink too. Out of nowhere, the powerlessness of my thinking out of nowhere. Um, and I'm just glad I have the tools that I can pick up the telephone and call someone and, and, and get back to, you know, my little girl didn't know how to cope with this. And the adult crystal can take over and use the tools of this program by picking up the phone, calling someone, and telling on my disease. And thanks for letting me share. Okay. Well, thank thank you, Crystal. Um, um, Lynn, your mic is on. Uh, 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 I'll, I'll try to speak Lynn here. Uh, oh. Okay. Um, Tom, Tom H. Yes, Tom. Craig. Yeah. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good, my friend. I'm good. Good to see you here. You are so busy, it's ridiculous. That's how I keep my mind from being so busy. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I drank for 40 years, and, and uh, 
I just didn't think there was a way. I never knew there was a way out of this. I always thought that uh, going into the AA program and and having to give myself up and tell other people my secrets and having having to do an inventory and making amends, too much work. I'd just rather sit there on the couch and do my cocaine and drink my beer. And um, I never, I didn't know what I, you know how they always say, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I just thought that the uh, this program was a program of stopping you from drinking and you, you white knuckle it the rest of your life. And so I was pretty convinced that it wasn't going to work, even though I didn't know anything about it. Um, the, the the program itself, um, it, it's not it's not easy to start because I I don't it's very difficult to believe in something that you don't know anything about, and it's very scary to believe in something that you don't know anything about. And um, when I started the program, it wasn't starting fast enough for me, so I would go and I would fake it, and I would sit in the meetings, and I would sit in the back, and I used to go to the ten o'clock meeting at night. That used to be on Ventura Boulevard, uh, Radford, um, and sit there and just listen to everybody and just think they were full of shit. I just didn't believe that anybody could go a couple of years without drinking. And um, and then all of a sudden I noticed I had like six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, and and that was the one of the first times I started to get happy again. I was um, Craig knows this. I, when I was in, I went to rehab. I was playing cards one time with four guys because I, I wasn't into anything except for myself and sitting there thinking about myself. And I was playing cards, and um, I remember laughing. And I remember laughing like a, a, like a real laugh, not a fake laugh, like, ha-ha, I'm supposed to laugh now. I had a real laugh. And uh, that was the first time in years that I actually r really let loose and really – um, realize, oh, I can be happy. I can really seriously be happy again. I just thought that God gave me a deck of cards and said, here you go. This is what you have to play with. Good luck. Um, but when I had that laugh, I realized, oh, maybe I am a change. Maybe maybe there is a possibility that I could do this. So I I followed along. I, I you know, I, I faked it till I made it. And, um, with with the program, I didn't know what the hell to do with myself when I got out because I all I did is I quit my job before I and all I did is drank and did coke twenty four seven pass out wake up so when I got out of rehab I didn't know what to do so I went from two to five meetings a day just wanting to grab something so not wanting to do I went to church in the morning I went to the gym. I didn't know what to do, and then I finally somebody grabbed me and said, "You need a sponsor," and I and I got the sponsor. Um, you know, if this didn't work, there wouldn't be a seventy-one people on here. If it didn't work, um, it's a matter of am I willing to give up? Am I willing to commit? You know, am I willing to commit to the program and admit complete defeat? I I didn't want to do that. I was like, "No, nah, I think I'll just have another drink." But um, by by admitting that I'm I'm powerless over this, is the um, you know it's the white flag. It's 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 the way to it's it's the way to do it. Um, 
and it's never let me down. And I, and I read the book all the time, and, I, and I've said this before, but it's the only book, the big book is the only book I've ever read my whole life that is uh, non, non-fictional. It's, uh, there's nothing in there that I've read that hasn't happened or that's been over-exaggerated. It, it's, it's actually all in there, and, it, and, it, and there's no lies, there's no exaggeration in there. It's a it's a book that you know doesn't have any any exaggerations in it, and so when I read the book, I thought, wow, this actually is kind of true, and um, I'm going to keep trying it. So I kept on going to those two to five meetings a day for, for the first ninety days, and then I I relaxed and came back to sanity and uh, went to one one or two a day. But uh, I, I just I've never seen anything like this. I'm like you, Craig, I'm coming coming up this summer in 19 years, and so uh, I just just uh, thank you for having the meetings, Astrid and uh, Craig, and that's it. Great to hear from you, Tommy. And and just so you know, Ashling in Ireland likes your accent. <laughs> so the boss, that's a Boston accent, uh, Ashling. So um, Boston you know, accent, living in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, Boston. And uh, so we've got some. Now, there was a hand up, but it went down. Oh, 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 Paul's got his hand up again. There you go, Paul. Go ahead. Ramona, Paul. Go ahead, Craig. I just, I just was looking at everybody was sharing. I was thinking about how the freedom from being powerless, you know. I, I, I was listening to a guy on the TV talking about the situation, and, and, uh, and I realized that it, what I had to do with my alcoholism, I had to look at what was produced my alcoholism. I kept in, running to jams every time, and I kept denying what I was because my because I was full of anxiety and I wanted to drink. So that's what I did. I kept drinking. I kept producing the same results. It, it was you know eventually that pain, got pain got me here. Thank God. And I'm just watching the entire world now is having to look at how powerless we are, and they're feeling exactly what I was feeling, <laughs> you know. And I can get caught up because I don't want to be in the house either. I want to go to the beach. But, you know, and then I realized I was happy to be Andrew Como was talking. He was just saying, here's the facts, you know. But, you know, even knowing the facts, people would present with me, Paul, you know the facts. You know, you're, you're, you know every time you drink, you end up, you know, this happens. You end up in jail is a big problem. And even presented with the facts, I could, I lacked the power to, to, to not drink. I couldn't not drink. I didn't, you know. And so I'm watching people and my own family members, you know, they're, I, I've had enough of this. Well, it's not going away. It's, it, you know, we've got this disease that's out there, you know, and it's not going away. And, I'm, you know, but she doesn't, she never, you know, she didn't build a relationship with a power greater than herself. So she doesn't know anything other than her own power. And I, I, all I can do is offer, you know, that, you know, why don't you just follow directions and relax, you know. <laughs> but it's hard because everybody feels the same thing. Our emotions come up. And as I was looking out at different responses from different people, I realized, you know, that's what happens is I, I make up a story in my head and then I believe my own lie and then I take an action that I know is insane. Right? That's what I do with my alcoholism. And I do that with the problems that we have in the world today. You know, if I listen to that, that's why I need a power other than my mind. My mind cannot fight that. So I have to have this surrender every day. And, you know, when I do, I, I sit back and, you know, it, it's contagious, you know. <laughs> You know, people are insane, and the disease is contagious. You know, but uh, but you know, I, so that's why I have to put the pause in many times a day and say, "Thank you, God." <laughs> you know, 
and, and realize that I do have it made today. I got a great life today. It's a good life. And I have a relationship with that power. And he's taking care of everything. Whether I recognize it or not, doesn't change the truth, you know? So why not just relax into it? And I just, I was hearing people talk. I wanted to throw that out there. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. John G. Uh, hi, everybody. John G. Alcoholic. Uh, I really love these meetings. I, you know, I go to a lot of uh, AA meetings, but uh, there's sermon on the Mount meeting in 12 and 12 when uh, Craig and Astros start to read the book and, and start breaking it down in detail. It makes it so simple for me to digest this because uh, I'm a retread. I've been in and out of the program, and I, you know, I never really got it thoroughly. I, I tried in 88 again in 2000 and, and now I'm back and now because of this confinement I have a lot of time to read reflect and go to meetings but one thing that came up in a meeting that you were leading Craig I don't know whether you were quoting Emmett Fox but I think I heard someone you say or, or referring to him that there is no heaven and there is no hell can you clear up that yeah, well, there, you know, whether it, the heaven, there in the Bible, you know, he says there's no subject, there's no chapter on it, and that, you know, heaven is referred to in, it's what we, right now, heaven on earth, on, you know, in earth, in my mind, or hell, we've all been to hell and back, right? But that heaven and hell is like a concept man came up with, and uh, that, you know, no God would be so cruel to put infinite punishment for a finite transgression. And so it's a very healing thought to know that we are forgiven as many times. God forgives 70 times seven, as long as we're willing to redeem ourselves. So like the idea, and that's what the steps help us do to see where we are wrong, where we have wronged others and be willing to do something about it. Not, not say we're sorry. A true amends is to mend my behavior so that I don't do that anymore. Now, Heaven and hell is whether when we pass, we go to another dimension and our consciousness is intact. Could you imagine not being able to escape to an out, to, the, to a drink or to some distraction? If all I have is consciousness and I'm in a state of hell, that would be hell. You know, if alcoholism without some kind of escape. So, you know, I can be in hell here on earth. And I don't know what happens when we pass on. But that, that thing, you, if you're a bad boy... You're going to go to hell forever. That, that he, he gets rid of all that, that this is a loving God, a forgiving God. That, and that's the message that Jesus actually brought. It was all about love. It wasn't about punishment. But heaven and hell is referred to by various people in there. But it's never discussed as a, as a topic. And like, here's what it is and here's how it works. And, you know, they come up with purgatory. But that's, you know, we'll do more of that at the Sermon on the Mount meeting. So thank you for asking. I'm glad you're here. And I'm uh, yeah, glad you, you like these meetings. Great to have you. Yeah, thank um, you much. Thank you. Yeah, so Rob has his hand up. Okay, I'm unmuted now. Oh, yeah, Craig. Rob. Yeah, we've got a few <laughs> of your uh, Irish peeps on here. Yeah, we're all starting to, to slowly come in. I think Astrid mentioned it in the meeting and... I think she knows Ashling and the rest of them, but um, yeah. but anyway, yeah, it's it's great to be here. It's it's a really nice meeting. When Tom was sharing, there was something about it, about what he was talking about that um, 
I don't know, just it, when he mentioned about he was at treatment and he was playing cards and he was laughing, it brought me right back to the first treatment centre I was in. And I remember I really struggled for, for the first couple of days in there to just get into the routine and kind of get a little bit of acceptance that, I'm, okay, I'm in treatment and I have to make the best of it. And I remember one night um, we we all sat down and we played cards together and we were all so connected. There was so much love and connection. It was like we were a little... I don't know, it's it's hard to explain. I've never felt that connection even in my own family. It was like such such a bond and it was just, it didn't matter who we were. We, we didn't have to try to be anyone. We all just loved it the moment and we enjoyed playing cards and we had cups of tea and we were just shooting the breeze and it was just, it was a really special, special moment. And I completely forgot about that until Tom mentioned it. It brought me right back. And that brought me back to a memory of, when I was a little kid, when I was seven, I remember feeling that, that happiness, that soul happiness when I was, um, my parents had a barbecue one summer and all my cousins, all our family was over from the States and the UK. And, um, we were just running through the garden and there was a smell of barbecue and a smell of summertime and it was just so much fun and so much joy. And I, it's funny how you get disconnected from that feeling. You, you, you kind of, you get into life and, and, it just becomes so hard and so arduous and so difficult and you get into it and it just, it, it seems so, it seems so miserable. Like you get into life and everything seems so hard. And I have to admit that, like, I find it hard to pay bills and I find it hard to manage relationships. Everything becomes so difficult that I, I lose myself and I look for things to feel better. Um, but that, where I am at the minute going through the steps, I'm, I'm finding that joy again. Like life is difficult and that's the reality of it. But um but spiritually and, and when you spoke about just being still and hearing the birds and really simple, basic things to pull yourself back and be still, um, it's difficult to, to do that at times, but it but once you do it once it's it's possible to do it anytime you want. You can bring yourself back. So it was really nice when Tom said that, it just brought me right back to to feeling that joy again and, and, and you, you completely forget about what it feels like to be truly happy. Um and uh, because being an alcoholic has given me the chance to do that again. So I'm really grateful when, when Tom said that, I just feel, I feel so grateful that I, I'm an addict and I get to go through these steps and, and, um, and begin to experience all of this joy again. It's, it's amazing. So, um, it's great to see you, Craig and Astrid and Ashling and everybody else. Um, thanks, thanks for having us. Thanks. Yeah. Why shouldn't we be happy? We have recovered the big book says, you know, and, yeah, we can finally, when we finally surrender to this. And uh, yeah, Tom, Tom's a dear friend. We would go to his house every Sunday and he'd make breakfast and we'd read the big book, a bunch of guys. It was just great for years. Anyway, um, we have a guy, uh, what is it? D, XJ Walker from, looks like Florida. Thank you, Craig, and uh, everybody on this meeting. What a What a great message I'm hearing from each person that um, I can identify so much with. And I had popped in, and fortunately I popped in right as um, Astrid was saying compliance and surrender. And, um, and that's just something that uh, I know for myself that I've struggled with 
uh, for the years that I've been clean and sober. One thing that did stand out for me, and it continues to in the 12 and 12, is the paragraph where it says, um, we know that little good can come to any alcoholic who joins AA unless he at first accepts his devastating weakness and all its consequences. Until he so humbles himself, his sobriety, if any, will be precarious of real happiness he will find none at all. And I can definitely tell you from my experience that shifting from compliance of uh, having, I'm cooperating without an agreement would have been my experience like the first three and a half years that they required me at around three and a half years being being backed into a corner by pain running on that untreated alcoholism where I had a second surrender, and it made such a huge difference to me um, because in in that place of, yeah, I could admit and acknowledge in my mind that I was a real alcoholic and my life, you know, I was powerless over that, but struggled with the unmanageability, and someone else had mentioned about the, 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 the bedevilments and all those things that it talks about. Um, so if I stayed in that place of admission, which would not sustain me to 28 years that I have now today, um, it's that concept of no matter what, you know, no matter what, don't pick up. And I definitely was a card carrying member and still am, but realized that it had to become something much, much more, um, because that would work well if that was my problem and it's not my problem. Uh, so then forcing me to get into that place of acceptance where it is an agreement by my conduct. You know, what am I doing action-wise to treat this and tap into the power? And it honestly took a long time. I Maybe I'm more stubborn than most. I don't know. Um, I identified a lot with what Ashling was talking about, and um, I just am so grateful to have so many wonderful mentors, you know, like a lot of the people here, Astrid being one of them, and she doesn't even know it. I just really introduced myself to her yesterday, and um, and Craig, and just even having these meetings where we can tap into it no matter where we are has been a huge gift for me, and I just thank you all very, very much, and thank you and God for my life. Thank you so much. That's it for me. Thanks, Dee. Great to hear from you. Uh, Paul? Paul S? Paul S? You got your hand up, Paulie? Yeah, can you hear me, Craig? Yeah, uh-huh. Hey, um Paul, alcoholic. Um, thanks for having this meeting, Craig and Astrid. Um, that was an interesting question about heaven and hell. I, I, it kind of really got me um, thinking. Um, for me, my hell is untreated alcoholism, you know. It's like I need to hear this message over and over because no matter what I did yesterday, I wake up with untreated alcoholism today, you know, and I need to remember that. And uh, it's good to see Pomona Paul on here. I had the privilege of hearing him. And he talked about back in the day how they would say, if you don't have the principles of the first paragraph, and step one, you can't go to paragraph two and the 12 and 12, you know? And then it made me think of guys like Bill G and these guys. And um, I'm grateful that I got to prime time in 04 when I was able to hear that message because I thought once I start stopped drinking, my life would be a success. And once I stopped drinking, my life got even worse because I still had that mind that was restless, irritable, 
and discontent. No matter what happened in my life, I found fault with it. And I still have that same ratty mind that they talk about. Like I can come on this meeting and I hear something about somebody's cousin. And then I go start thinking about my cousin who I drank and used with. And I'm out of the meeting. I left the meeting. I take the time to come onto this meeting and I'm so captured by self and untreated alcoholism that I'm not even in the meeting. I'm elsewhere thinking about what I'm going to say to my boss or my partner or how I'm going to design my life to fit me. But the principle is that that's untreated alcoholism. And that what puts me into a complete defeat. I have to see what I'm up against that. I have a fault finding mind that no matter what's going on, I can't stand to be in this world. And that's what alcoholism is for me. It's not about drinking. Like you said, Craig, alcohol treats what's wrong with me. That's the best over-the-counter treatment for it, except for me, I broke out in jails and institutions. Not death yet, thankfully, because I'm on this call, but that's where alcohol will lead me. So instead, I have to raise the bottom to meet me. Yeah, I'm grateful I had was spared those last 10 to 15 years of hell because I see where it goes in my family of origin. It's death. That's what happened to all the people with alcoholism, except for me, and I was blessed with sobriety. To hear people like Astrid and Randy M and Craig and heard the Bob tapes and Ted B, all these guys, these are my heroes because they broke down alcoholism as a fault-finding mind-power disease. And that's what I have today, 16 years in the game. I still have the same mind. And if I don't treat it with complete defeat and then as open-minded as the dying can be to listen, it doesn't say as open-minded so I can say something to impress somebody. No, I have to learn how to listen in these meetings. So um, I'm grateful for that, that I've been able to hear and kind of see what my mind's doing to me. It's trying to rob me in the moment I'm in. But if I can ask God to help me here like the dying can be and accept that life preserver and accept that pain of untreated alcoholism, then I can go somewhere. Because if I have complete defeat, then I can go into step two with an open mind. And then I can get into this new life. Because step two is the end of the old life, which I brought here, and the beginning of the new life, which is happy, joyous, and free. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. Um, so I don't see any other hands up. Uh, um, would somebody, uh, we could, I, I'd like to be able to move on to uh, step two. Uh, we, it's 111, the magic number 111. Um, if anybody has anything, a burning desire before we move on. But, uh, you know, Jackie was talking about the, you know, the, the, the creditor, you know, but it, it's a, it's a rapacious creditor and it, it, a rapacious, it means predator. So this thing is coming at us. You know, we can never be in neutral. I have to always be in forward motion. You know, I can't sit in idle retrograde. Um, you know, I, 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 this is about enlarging my spiritual program always because the disease is progressive. Anyway, um, Astrid, did you want to have anything else to say? Are you here? Oh, I don't think Astrid's on. Oh, yeah, there she is. Astrid, anything else you want to say on step one before we move on? You know what? I'm good. I loved all the shares. I, I, really, I, it's just so many high consciousness people that are going for it, that are getting it. The special dog whistle is being blown and lots of people are hearing it. It's really beautiful to just sit and back and, and, and listen to everybody. I'm good. All right. Well, we, we love you. Um, oh. Yeah, we're good friends, Astrid. You know, we, we trudge together. Long time. And, you know, to come out and have a life like this. So, you know, we're all here now at, under the lash of alcoholism. We're driven a, and we discover the fatal nature. You know, you hear D in Florida with 28 years. You hear 
uh, uh, Roy left the meeting. He has 42 years. You hear Paul with 30-some years. You know, we, we, we are here today because alcoholism is alive and well. And, you know, we've got the Tebow papers that tell us that we need some kind of a conversion from, a, from, to, from negative thinking to positive thinking. But what we can't do is produce that on our own because the ego is so powerful. So I stand, you know, under the lash of alcoholism, I am willing to listen as the dying can be. And I stand ready to do anything that will, you know, lift this merciless obsession. What can I do? My hands are up on the air, you know. I stand ready. What should I do? All our hands are raised up in the air. We have surrendered. So this is what catapults me in a step two. I have nowhere to else to go because I don't have sufficient um, willpower on my own. Lack of power is my dilemma. And, and, and uh, you know, my life is completely unmanageable, sober. So this is what rockets me in. So what is my solution? I come to believe that a power not even in a power. Can I say, I believe that there's a power and it's greater than me as a power. That's for sure. I need something more to me because I've been the power for my life and it could restore me to sanity, which in the 12 and 12 is defined as soundness of mind. And, uh, and uh, you know, so this leads us at step two now. And the 12 and 12 is really fascinating because it has five different components of a will not. And, um, you know, and I'm all of them, and we have to start seeing it. Um, so, um, Astrid, do you want to read this first paragraph, or do you want? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see here. Am I unmuted? Okay. So, step two in the twelve and twelve, page twenty-five, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. The moment that they read step two, most AA newcomers are confronted with a dilemma, sometimes a serious one. How often have we heard them cry out, look what you people have done to us. You have convinced us that we are alcoholic and that our lives are unmanageable. Having reduced us to a state of absolute hopeless helplessness, you now declare that none but a higher power can remove our obsession. Some of us won't believe in God and others can't. And still others who do believe that God exists have no faith whatever that he will perform this miracle. Yes, you've got us over the barrel, all right, but where do we go from here? So there's a whole lot of spiritual principles in there. Having been reduced to a state of helplessness, I mean, that means like the ego is just squashed. It's like uh, the fight's been taken out of me. I don't have any tools left. I'm going to have to de uh, declare that none but a higher power can remove the obsession. Some won't believe and some can't believe. So we talk in prime time a lot about there are cannots and there are will nots. And then we talk about people actually being constitutionally incapable of being honest. And that's the same as the cannots and the will nots. Some people can't get this thing. And you guys are no, you guys know what I'm talking about when I say this. Like they just can't, like you can actually see the possibility that it's not looking good. You know, it's just not looking good at all. They can't hear. Their mind can't open. They're spiritually stuck. They can't swallow and digest the unpalatable truths. The mind doesn't open for some reason. And like I said before, I throw that fish back in the ocean because I cannot is completely different than a will not. Now, a will not just has an ego, you know? 
They won't believe, you know, they still want to hold on to the idea that through self-propulsion, I might be able to get through this. But once you start practicing the principles, you'll see all by yourself through the experience of practicing the principles that relying on the higher power gets you a much better vibrational frequency. You get a much juicier apple using that compost in your garden than self-propulsion. But it's all experiential. So what Bill Wilson is saying is that, you, you know, you get, getting reduced to a state of uh, absolute helplessness it's a really good thing because that's going to be my catalyst to change. And even being a, a will not and having my ego resisted, you know what? In some ways, I'm going to get the proof because I'm going to flip flop in the beginning. I'm going to take my will back and then I'm going to exercise the principle of going to God. And then I'm going to take my will back. We call it flip flopping or we used to call it that. And sometimes I flip flop 40 times a day, but this is how I get the experience that God's going to perform the miracle and continue to perform the miracle and leave me in a pink cloud state for days, weeks, months, and years. Anyway, thanks for letting me share. Great Astrid. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, uh, you know. So the, the the reason for step two in AA, uh, in in the big book, it was we agnostics, is because we have this. You know, we might have had God and then lost it, or we never had it at all, or we're just atheists. We just will not believe. You know, uh, we will not believe that there's something. You know, that that could do this, and so we know we're in trouble. Like I said, we're you know that. A state of hopelessness, helplessness. So you got us over to Bowerl because where else do I go? And this is the only place I can go. I don't like this choice. So, um, you know, there's a lot in here. Bill really knows us well, Bill W. He knows my resistance to this. I mean, back in Bill's story, there was a guy that came to his house. And when he saw that it was a, a, a God-oriented program, and there was no other way out. He went and killed himself. I don't know if he shot himself or hung himself, but they found him in the basement of Bill's house or something. So, you know, and, and, and we agnostics, it says in the big book, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. And, you know, it seems silly, like, gee, hmm, you know, to die or to do this thing. Like, you would think that'd be pretty, you know, Yet we do have to think about it, and it's it's it would be hilarious hilarious if it wasn't so tragic. So, um, does anybody want to share about this paragraph we just read? It's the first paragraph of step two in the twelve and twelve, and then we're going to begin looking at um, you know the belligerent one. We have ten minutes left of the meeting, Don. Yeah, hey Craig, I I can share real quick on it that I, I don't totally get the will nots and cannots yet, but that's okay. It doesn't, I don't have to, but like when I got here, I, I, I was so atheist and so closed minded. And, um, <clears throat> I started thinking about the will nots and cannots and now I had a brain fart. Um, Oh, just that. That, that what, to what you were just talking about was, was that, that it was a dilemma, you know, and I looked up what dilemma was and it's like, 
uh, having to choose between two things and both of them suck, you know? And, and, and that's the way this was for me because I, I couldn't drink anymore, almost died. And, and the idea of getting sober through these 12 spiritual steps, right? Cause I didn't believe anything spiritual was happening and finding a God and all that. Both of them, I, I just can totally relate. So, and, and you just help me remember that with your share. So that's all I got really. Okay, cool, Don. Somebody else had their hand up. Um, they put it down. Was it, uh, was it Jody? Somebody had their hand up. Um, does anybody else want to share about that? Because I don't know if uh, we could read another paragraph and then come revisit it. I put my phone number up by my name in case anybody uh, uh, wants to share. Um, um, Paul has his hand up and then Jackie, and that'll probably do us. So go ahead. Paul. Yeah, Paul, alcoholic. Yeah, here we go with the knots again, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the interesting thing is that uh, we can, we, if, I, if I just stop for a minute and, and, and get out of the argument for a second and just ask a question, well, something's giving me life and I don't even know what it is, you know. And if I can just, if I can even get to that place and then ask, well, whatever's giving me life, uh, can I feel that peace? I feel your peace or something like that. You know what I mean? And that's the way I begin because, uh, you know, I, you know, I get caught up in the debate. This is alcoholism is a debate. It's an unsatisfied mind that no matter what I say, it's not going to be right. So I begin a conversation with a power greater than myself, even though I don't believe it. I don't have to believe it. You know, I don't have to cooperate with gravity, uh, but I will learn from pain if I don't cooperate. And when I do cooperate, I become empowered. So I usually try to, Say, okay, well, if you, you don't, don't even go into the question, just if there, something's given you life, if you can tell me what it is, that's good. But, you know, if you can't, why not have a conversation with that? You don't have to know what it is. You know, you don't have to understand gravity to cooperate. You don't have to. But, you know, what happens is you'll, because if you will do that, that's an action you take towards something other than your mind. And that's going to produce something. And that's going to be a new experience. And that new experience is going to produce something you've never experienced before, you know, and it, and it, it works, you know, but, but I know if you're caught up in that arguing mind that you're, you're, you won't even try it. You'll just refuse to try it. And that's the, the, the will nots, you know what I mean? And, and the, the, the can nots are people that won't, that won't even try. I should say and the will nots are the ones that are choosing not to try. But I know that I was probably both, you know, I, I, for a long time, I, I thought I was a will not, or I thought I was a cannot, and I was a will not. And then I didn't realize that I was a will not, and I still wasn't applying it. So it didn't really matter which one <laughs> when I was. I had to get rid of the damn knots and begin to ask the question, okay, God, can you help me? And that began with that. And it was so simple. Greg was saying it's so simple. Just begin a conversation. God, can you help me? You know, is there another way to see this other than what my mind is telling me? And, that, you know, that's the beginning of a conversation, and it's – and that's all you got to begin to, you know, and then, then you, your questions get better. Can you say, can you help me from being anxious? You know I mean? You, get, you just, you just build on a relationship, but in the beginning, your mind's going to argue with you, you know, but that's, understand that's the building of the new character. Thanks. That's all I got. Thanks, Paul. Jackie. And Jackie, I'm alcoholic. And um, in that paragraph, I was focused on convinced. I'm convinced that I'm alcoholic and I had to be a hundred percent convinced. And, um, 
I was fortunate that I was in a big book study workshop and I heard about the allergy of the mind, or excuse me, the, the inability to control my thinking and then putting alcohol in my body and then the allergy taking over and then having the phenomenon of craving, right? And so when I really became convinced that that was it for me and I couldn't control it, I stopped this debating thing. Um, but I have to be convinced every day. And it's not just about I'm putting alcohol into my body. It's what am I putting into my mind? What am I thinking about? And as I'm focusing on things that cause me pain, I'm becoming convinced again that I have to go to a power greater than me. Because like Astrid says, I'm a power, I'm a big fucking power, but I need a power that's greater than my thinking. So I get convinced every single day that I need this power. And if I'm not convinced, it doesn't matter if I'm a will not or a cannot. I'm just not convinced. It doesn't matter to me. So um, I'm, I'm so glad that I got beaten, absolutely beaten into a state of reasonableness where I saw that I couldn't stop thinking about putting alcohol in my body. And when I did, the allergy took over. And when the allergy took over, the phenomenon of craving took over. And that was it. When I was convinced of that, I stopped arguing about whatever power. Then it became, help me, please. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. So good to hear from you and see you. Glad you're part of this. So uh, it's 1.26. We have time for one short one. Uh, or I could just do all the announcements. Anybody have anything that, or a burning desire? Something that maybe if you're struggling, if you feel like drinking or, or you're having trouble with the step two part of this? Anybody? Karen? Go ahead, Karen. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Boy, what a great meeting. I was thinking back to uh, my ex in New York, and I believe that he was a cannot because there had been a lot of trauma in his life, and he couldn't even out loud talking about it be honest. And he just was a person that couldn't really be honest. And he tried once in a while over the years, but he killed himself nine years ago, never getting it. And um, I always thought I am willing to be honest, but in this last relapse, I realized that I don't even know what my subconscious honest is but I know that I'm willing to keep showing up and that I keep talking to God. And I'm, I hope I'm never a cannot again. When my mom had died, I knew that I just cannot because I went into a depression and um, it took, took me over. I couldn't even think a thought about God. I only could think about death. So love you guys. Thank you, Karen. Well, look, I love you all. Thank you. It was a great meeting. I want to thank Astrid. Uh, you know, for being here uh, and doing it, um, you know, and I want to thank you all. We, we just so you know, this meeting is recorded. And if you like these, uh, um, these, these kind of studies that we do, I mean, I, we've got them Thursday, Friday, uh, tomorrow, I do a sermon on the Mount meeting that isn't posted, but I put my phone number up there. Just text me and let me know if you'd like to join. That's at noon, Sunday, there's a 1 p.m. that is on the website and on Facebook. Uh, Sunday night at 7 p.m., there's a big book study. And yesterday was a Tebow meeting. It's very good to understand. Uh, I want to welcome all our people from Ireland and Scotland and Sweden 
um, you know, and all over the place, uh, Vermont and Florida and Chicago, you know, everybody up north. Um, we have a meeting uh, tonight, Pam in Florida. Um, okay. Uh, um, uh, and so, um, again, my phone is up there. We, if you care to make a seventh tradition uh, donation to the primetime cause, uh, I just posted it on the chat. It's Venmo at Craig Dash Marijanian and PayPal uh, Astrid Hal at gmail.com. We appreciate it. Um, so uh, let's see. There's also the Facebook group. Primetime is now three words. Uh, you ask to join it and, you know, you basically friend it and you will be let in. Um, and it's a, a private group uh, of over 2,500 people now. We're growing rapidly especially since this Zoom thing. And we're very thankful for this technology. I want to thank our various hosts, Josh and, uh, and, and Howard, who not only does hosting, but does the website so wonderfully. We have Summer, Jason, Joey, uh, uh, Juliet will be on tomorrow. We've got some wonderful people stepping up to the plate. Uh, and I appreciate you all. And so there's, a library on that website where you can hear these meetings and hear many speakers from Bob Anderson to Astrid to myself to, uh, you know, Paul, everybody's on there. Uh, and uh, it's a lot of good information. There's other links like Sermon on the Mount and Tebow. And uh, so, you know, you can keep your mind in positive, good information instead of listening to what it's trying to tell you. That's what I had to do. <laughs> anyway, uh, Rob from Ireland, uh, so great to have you guys all here. I'm so glad we're able to be here together like this. Uh, so um, anybody have anything else? Did I get it? Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much. 